0: We're glad that you're here today. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, we appreciate you being here in our presence today. I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be preaching about the first message that was ever preached to the church, or at least a portion of it. Uh, Peter is the one that preached this, and I guess in some people's mind, he probably got a little bit long-winded that day. It will probably take us about three different sessions to get through his whole sermon here. But if you would stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God, if you're able to do that. And in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens i will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and i will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God has raised up from, and having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your many blessings that you have so abundantly bestowed upon us today. Father, we thank you for every person who is here in this audience and those who are tuned in by means of electronic devices. And Lord, we pray that today as your word goes out, that it would find a resting place in hearts, dear Father, of the young and the old and the rich and the poor, of those who are lost and those who are saved. And Father, we pray today that you will be glorified and you'll be magnified. Now, Father, I just come to submit myself into your hands and ask you, Lord, to just use me as your mouthpiece here today. Just speak through my lips the words that you would have to be spoken and may your will be done in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Remind us of what had happened earlier in this chapter. Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had appeared to His disciples for 40 days before He ascended into heaven. And then there was a 10 day waiting period that he had told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. They had spent those 10 days in prayer and in doing some other things such as electing a successor to Judas who had hanged himself. And suddenly there was a sound that came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the place where they were assembled And things began to happen. People began to speak the Word of God. And people from various languages were gathered out there in Jerusalem at that time. And the Bible lists, I believe, 17 different nations of people that had come there for for, uh, Pentecost, or for the Feast of Pentecost. And they all heard the gospel in their own language. Now, that was an amazing thing that had happened and they couldn't understand what was going on. And the Bible says in verse 12, some of them said, what's the meaning of this? Others said, well, these men are full of wine, they're drunk. And then Peter, Peter, that one who had denied Jesus three times, Peter, that one whom Jesus had met with at the Sea of Galilee, and had questioned Peter's love for him, Peter, the one whom Jesus told him that he would feed his flock, that he would shepherd his sheep. Peter realizes that God had chosen him to stand at this particular time and to share with these people what is happening. And in verse 14, that's what it says. Peter standing up with the 11, the other 11. He lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all of you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Listen to what I have to say. I'm going to tell you something about this, that these people are not drunk as you have supposed, but this is something that has happened. He said, this is just the third hour of the morning, it's nine o'clock in the morning, and these people would not be drunk even if they'd started drinking by this time. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now the prophet Joel lived about 800 years before the birth of Christ. And he had prophesied, God had spoken through his lips, the prophecy of what would take place. In the last days and peter uses the scripture out of joel chapter 2 and begins to share with them what is happening there in that place where they were assembled out he says in verse 16 this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel it shall come to pass in the last days we often hear that word Or that phrase, last days, that we're in the last days. Well, if I interpret my Bible correctly, the last days started with Jesus. And they're continuing. But there is a time coming when it will draw to a close but he begins to share with them some of the things that Joel had prophesied of there in in, uh, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. Listen, this is a message from God. It's not a message from Peter. It's not a message from Joel. It's not a message from me. It's a message from God. And we need to pay attention. When God speaks, we better be listening. God said, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. You see, what had just happened, the Holy Spirit had come in His power and in His presence and He had endued His people that they could speak for Him. And they were speaking the wonderful works of God. They were not up there blaspheming each other. They were not talking about each other. They were talking about what God was doing in their lives and in the lives of others, what he could do in other people's lives. God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And notice who who this all flesh concerns. He says, your sons and your daughters. God is no respecter of persons. And I know many times that women are are not uh, uh, prominent in speaking in our churches and those kind of things. But does that mean that they do not have the Spirit of God upon them? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Notice what he says. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. There's only a couple of people back in the Old Testament that were women who had prophesied. But here it's going to become a common thing that God has poured out His Spirit upon all of these people, no matter if they're male or female. And God uses them, and God is still using people like that down through our days even today. He says, and your daughters and your sons will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. That had been pretty well uh uh, kept to the older men seeing visions in the old testament but god says i'm doing something new your young men will see visions and when it talks about visions it's not talking about uh, some wacky something or other but god gives people a vision of what is happening in their lives i've been preaching the gospel for many many years there's only been one time in my life that the Lord gave me a vision I was laying in my bed one night I had not gone to sleep and God began to give me a vision of the church that I was pastoring God showed me the people sitting in the pews but they were not in their normal place God gave me a message to preach to them And it was a message that was so strong that I had to ask the Lord to give me some relief and he took away that for a few days and then on Saturday night it came back I went to church on Sunday morning knowing that God was going to do something in that service that day because God had given me a vision that vision I saw people out in the aisles on their knees in prayer And the great moving of God in that place. And I got there that day. And I wondered, God, how are you going to bring all this about? The Sunday school superintendent came to me and he said, Pastor, can you teach the youth class today? He said, the teacher's sick. And I said, well, yeah, I'll I'll teach it. And I taught the youth class and I, we, we would all gather back in the auditorium and the Sunday school report would be given and then we would take a 15 minute break. And that church had had a, a, a habit of a lot of people would leave after Sunday school. And I didn't know what God was going to do but we came out from Sunday school and I came and sat down on the front pew and the Sunday school director got up and gave the Sunday school report and he says, has anyone got anything to say? And I said, yes sir, I do brother, have a seat, I'm gonna preach. And I just come to the pulpit and began to preach that message that God had given to me and people were not in their normal places because they had just come in from Sunday school. They didn't have a chance to leave that day. But God came down in that service. I I preached for about 15 minutes, the hardest I ever preached in my life. I gave an invitation. People crowded around that altar and they were lined up down the aisles praying. That service went on until 1.30 that day. I don't know how many people got right with God, but it was just a, a glorious thing. We even forgot to take an offering that day. But God said, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So you see, this feeling of the Spirit, it's, it's for the young and for the old. It's for the men and the women. And he says, on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, even the slaves, the servants uh, in, in actually in the Greek it says man servants and the handmaidens, those who were slaves in people's homes, those who were counted as perhaps little of nothing. God said on those servants, and on those handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days my spirit, and they too shall prophesy. They shall be talking about the future they shall be telling about what god is going to do and you see as i stand here today and preach and proclaim to you yes in one sense of the word i am prophesying because i'm telling you what god has said in his word and god will do what he said in his word it may not come on my timetable it may not come on your timetable but god will do What he said he would do. Verse 19 he says, And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. This is generally the part that gets people's attention. This is generally what people see when they think of the last days. God said, I'll show wonders in heaven above. Signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. I was reading one commentary this week, and the man who wrote that, said that if you go back and really read this and it's in its original language, it's very descriptive of atomic warfare of what might be happening. And that's something that has been in the news lately, hadn't it? That Russia, they have atomic weapons. The United States has had atomic weapons since World War II. Korea, North Korea has atomic weapons. All of these are a, a time keg, a, a time bomb that could go off at any time. But he says the sun shall be turned into darkness. It's going to be a day of darkness when the sun doesn't shine. The moon will be turned into blood. Pastor John Hagee, I heard him preaching a series of sermons about the moon and the signs in the moon. And we're having in our day today something that is happening that is called the blood moon. There's been two or three of them in the last few years that at a certain phase of the moon and a certain time of the year that when you see the moon in its fullness, it looks like it is bloody. It's, It's turned a red color. And scientists are calling that the blood moon. Why is it just now happening? Why hasn't it been happening all along? Could it be that God is moving things around? Could it be that God is getting set for the trumpet to sound and for His Son to stand up and to come back to this world? He says this is going to happen before that great and notable day of the Lord come. These things are going to happen before Jesus comes. But Jesus is coming. Don't ever let anybody tell you any other thing. Jesus is coming. Whether you're ready or whether I'm ready, He's coming. And He'll be here right on time. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved." You see, not only is it a day that we call the last days, not only is it a day when God's Spirit is poured out upon people, not only is it a day of things happening in the world and in the, the stars and the skies out there, but it's a day of great salvation. Notice, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. That even in the last days, it's a day of salvation. Friend, if you're not saved, my advice to you is seek God while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's what the Bible tells us to do to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, a great day of salvation. Paul picked up on this, and Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 and 13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, And believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then verse 13 says, what just exactly Joel says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That day is still here. You still have the opportunity To call upon the name of the Lord and trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Now, people continue to put that off. People continue to say, not today. But what does the Bible say about it? The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There's going to come a time when salvation won't be available. God will say, that's it, go get your children. So there's a warning in that. It shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now Peter was preaching in perhaps the most dangerous place on the face of the earth at this time to be preaching this particular message. You see, it had just been a few days, 50 days or so, that this same crowd that was out there, they had taken Jesus, had beat Him to a pulp, had nailed Him to a cross, and saw Him hang there and die on that cross. And Peter begins to address them in verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was the place where Jesus was raised. Jesus of Nazareth. A man approved of God. Notice what he's saying. This man had the approval of God upon him. This man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. You saw the things that Jesus did. You saw the people that he healed that were sick. You saw those that he raised from the dead. You saw him when he walked upon the water. You saw all of these things that Jesus did. It wasn't done in the darkness. It wasn't done out of sight of people. But it was done where people could testify. And he says, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. Right in your midst as ye yourselves also know. And notice what he says about him then. Him, Jesus. Him, Jesus, the Son of God. Him, Jesus, the Messiah. Him being delivered by the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God. Does it shock you to know that God planned this? Does it shock you to know that God determined this? before the foundations of the world, that His Son would die on the cross for your sins and my sins? Does it shock you that God predetermined that? That He would rise from the dead? Does it shock you to know that God loves you so much and He loves me so much that He sent His Son to die in our place upon the cross? Yes, it's shocking. But if you can explain the love of God, then you might explain that. I can't explain the love of God. All I can say is it's wonderful. It's marvelous. It's glorious. For God so loved the world. That includes you, that includes me. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, should not go to that place called hell, but have everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? Man, people ought to be shouting all over the place saying, Amen, God loves us. God predetermined that, it was in God's foreknowledge. But he tells them what they were guilty of. He says, "In you, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You took him, you put him through the mockery of a trial trial after trial after trial. He was tried in six different places by different men. No one found him guilty of anything. You by wicked hands have crucified him. You're responsible for his being nailed to a cross. You're responsible for him hanging between the heavens and the earth. You're responsible for that spear that went into his side you're responsible for his death you have crucified and slain him but notice what God does in verse 24 whom God this same Jesus This same Jesus that hung and died upon the cross. This same Jesus that walked upon the water. This same Jesus that raised the dead. This same Jesus that healed the blind. This same Jesus that died in my place, in your place. Verse 24 says, God has raised up. Hallelujah. God didn't leave him in the grave. God has raised him up, having loosed the pains of death. One Bible scholar says that term, pains of death, that it's the same kind of pain that a woman goes through to give birth to a child, that it's that same kind of agony, the pains of death. But God raised him up. God loosed the pains of death. Why? Because it was not possible that he, Jesus, should be holden of it or should be held by death. If he had remained dead, you and I would have no hope. If he remained dead, this world would be turned upside down. If he had remained dead, there would be no way of salvation. But thank God, God brought him back from the dead. He's alive forevermore. And that's the most dangerous thing that Peter could have preached here in Jerusalem. That's the last thing these people wanted to hear. Maybe the last thing you want to hear, I don't know. But the thing about it is, it may be the last thing you do hear. We never know when we're going to leave here. We never know when we're going to draw our last breath or our last heartbeat will beat. We don't know, but there's some things we can know. John told us as he wrote over in 1 John there, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the most wonderful thing you'll ever know is to know that you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I was sitting there on the pew as the choir sang this morning, And I thought back 60 years ago this week, I graduated from high school, graduated on my birthday. It was a hot day. We went to First Baptist Church of Sweetwater that morning to have our baccalaureate service. We had to wear a suit, plus we had on a velvet robe over the top of that and there was no air conditioning in those days. I sat through that church service that morning, almost sick from the heat. That afternoon we went back to the high school and went into the auditorium. Very hot day, up in the nineties, no air conditioning. And I sat through the graduation service and I remember I was so glad just to get that robe off of me because I just about cooked. But then there was another thought that came to my mind. The day that I graduated from high school, I was lost. I did not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It was not until January of the following year that I come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My life was a miserable day that day when I graduated. Having no hope. No assurance. Had a diploma. Went to work the next day. Paul's Red Store worked 16 hours. But thank God January 6th. 6, 1963, at Oakland Baptist Church just outside of Sweetwater. A little church that's still there today, might seat a hundred people on a Sunday night. God was dealing with my heart. I knew I needed to be saved, but I didn't know what to do. A young man preached that night, and I can't tell you a thing he said. But I can tell you what God was saying to me, that I needed a Savior. My girlfriend's dad stepped across the aisle when the invitation was given, and he said, Son, are you a Christian? I said, No, sir, I'm not. He said, Would you like for us to pray with you? And I said, Yes, I'd like that. I came down and knelt on the front pew of that church. The only thing I knew to say to the Lord was three little words, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I continued to repeat those words. Once one person whispered in my ear and said, will you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior? for some reason I said no someone else asked me a similar question and I said no finally someone else just whispered in my ear and said son will you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and I said yes and when I said yes Jesus came to live in my heart and he's still there today praise his wonderful name He's my Lord, He's my Savior. He's never forsaken me, He's never left me, and He never will. Is He your Lord and Savior? This is the one Peter was preaching about. This is the one that the Bible talks about. He wants to live in your heart and in your life today. Friend, as we get ready for the invitation today, this invitation is for you who are lost today. We invite you to come. If you need us to counsel with you, we'll counsel with you, we'll pray with you, we'll help you do whatever God wants you to do today. Maybe there's others here that you, you say, well, I've been saved, but I've never followed Jesus in baptism. Well, Why don't you come today and start obeying Jesus? Baptism is the first command he gives us to do after we're saved. We fail to obey that. We're on a path of going downhill. Maybe God said to you today, I know you're saved, but there's some things in your life that you need to get right with me. Why don't you come today? Behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. Would you stand with us and bow your heads in a moment of prayer? Father, we come before you today to give you praise to give you glory to give you honor and adoration that you and you alone are God there is none beside you father I pray today as you open hearts of people here in this audience and in the audiences that are listening at home father may you be glorified may you be magnified by them inviting you to come and live in their life and be their lord and their savior surrendering their life to you father we believe there's people in this building today that you're dealing with their heart may this be that wonderful time that they'll say yes to you thank you for loving us in jesus name we pray amen